Welcome to BCG and Wits Business School's Conversations with South African Business Leaders podcast, where we talk to key business and thought leaders making waves in South Africa and across the African continent. Welcome to Backstage Pass. Hello and welcome to another episode of Backstage Pass brought to you by BCG and Wits Business School. As always, we are in conversation with business leaders in South Africa on issues top of mind for them. I'm your host, Nozipo Shavalala. In this episode, we're taking a closer look at the new jointly released report by BCG, Microsoft South Africa and Wits Business School detailing the societal benefits of AI for South Africa. Joining me in studio today are Dr. Martin Becker. He's a computational social scientist and AI ethics researcher and lectures ethics and social science at the School of Electronic and Information Engineering at WITS. I'm also joined by Shuleki Sile Shongwe, Lexi from here on. Uh, she is a consultant at BCG in Johannesburg and she works with clients in the healthcare and consumer goods industries. Her main focus is on driving strategy and digital transformation initiatives. Last but certainly not least is Ayanda Ngabecha. He is the director for data and AI at Microsoft South Africa. He plays a key role in empowering enterprise customers to really realize their full potential by harnessing the immense power of data assets. That's a mouthful and he's going to unpack what that means for us in a little while. But also he is absolutely passionate about looking for new ways to responsibly and inclusively use AI for the benefit of Africa. Welcome everyone. Lovely to have you all here. Thanks for having us. So maybe let's kick off with the emergence of Gen AI as this absolute game changer for South Africa. Let's take a step back from that and really try and position and understand that. And maybe Lexi, I'll start off with you because we know that technology is never short of new, shiny, sexy things uh, that are on the horizon. What is it that sets AI apart and why does BCG feel that this is the conversation that we need to be having right now? Thanks, Ozzy. So end of last year did bring us a new shiny thing called ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that we've never used AI before. It's part of our daily lives. Like you open your phone with Face ID, your friend recommendations on social media, your Netflix uh, streaming recommendations, right? Those are all based off of AI models. But what's different now is there's been a step forward in a way. Um, there's increased accessibility. There's It's more conversational. It's more so the accessibility for the layperson. Yeah. Right. Um, and why South Africa right now? Over the past few years, we've seen an increase in high-speed internet connectivity. We've seen increased access to basic smartphones, right? So we are on a path where we can now start using these digital tools to help us solve Mm. some of the problems that we have and improve our lives. And then why does BCG think it's the right moment? Well, BCG has been watching the space and um, we've been participating um, a lot through BCG X, which is our tech build and design unit, um, which is really focused on delivering value through digital, but specifically mm. AI. Our macro purpose is to solve the world's problems, and we think AI can help us do that. I think that's really exciting, especially when you talk about 
uh, the accessibility for the lay person. You talk about a house become far more conversational, mm. uh, which I think is absolutely exciting. And I, we are going to get into what does that mean really in terms of what is possible on the back of that. But, you know, Martin, one of the things I'm always pedantic about is like, do we have a simple working definition that allows us all to have one conversation and perhaps you can help us with that and especially because we're talking about gen ai what is gen ai and what is it that separates it from ai broadly well artificial intelligence refers to any computer system that performs tasks that human intelligence typically does yeah so that's the, the simplest way in which we can find it so that could be learning it could be problem solving it could be maze solving but decision-making in some sense. So as Lexi said, we had recommender systems or you know, predictive text or anything like that is a form of artificial intelligence. And what we see now with these generative systems um, or, or Gen AI is that it's not in the same way that, say, a calculator is, that we give it an input and we get the same input and we can predict that output. Yeah. So what Gen AI is, it, it's emergent. It gives us something that appears to us from a human point of view, new, novel. Mm. So in other words, you can ask it a question and not know exactly how it's going to answer. And it answers it also in a, let's say, a human-like way. And that's quite a game changer, is that it now suddenly feels conversational. I think that's really interesting uh, because I think that the calculator analogy is actually quite interesting because I can wrap my head around giving an input and having a sense of I know what the answer could be and mm. potentially the answer is going to be the same over and over again. And yeah. suddenly you have this emergent uh, uh, technology that's coming through. And again, when we get into the application of that, I'm really keen to understand what does that mean in terms of what we can now solve mm. because of that. And maybe that's where I want to go to you next, uh, Ayanda, because if we go back to this report that really is uh, the anchor around which we're having this conversation, it tells us that Although uh, Gen AI is still in its early stages, it's maturing really fast. And because of that, what do you see as the possibilities when we look at the possible impact that AI and specifically Gen AI can have on some of the most pressing challenges on the continent? Thank you so much. I think, I think one of the key uh, things that, uh, you know, a Gen AI specifically is going to do uh, is simplification. Um, intelligence, I do believe, still belongs to us as humans. Um, I still believe uh, in the era of AI where AI has become so pervasive around us that we still need it as human beings. Um, the creativity still you know, lies with us. Problem solving by and large lies with us. I believe AI and Gen AI specifically is going to be a tool um, that we're going to leverage in order to leapfrog mm -hmm. us as human beings and take us forward. Um, and I do believe that we are in that era right now, uh, you know, corporates in South Africa are trying to find ways. How do they connect with their customers better? Uh, how do they, you know, from from a consumer and personalization perspective, how do they offer you a personalized service? How do they uh, consume these large amounts of data in a very simple way yeah. um, that you know everybody can understand? Now, using language, I think this is this is a game changer.
changing thing about Gen AI specifically because, uh, you know, now you don't need to speak a particular computer language in order to get, mm. uh, you know, advanced results. You can speak in a language uh, that everybody understands and the computational power behind these large language models allows us then to be able to get the kind of results, uh, you know, that will leapfrog mm. us forward. I think the computer language actually speaks to the point you're making, Lexi, and Martin, I'll come to you as well because you were making the comment that it's the accessibility yes. to the lay person uh, that is really the game changer and actually not, us not all having to understand computer language. Any comments on that? And then I'll come to you, Martin. Yeah. Um, for me, that's been the most exciting thing about yeah. Gen AI because I now am able to use a whole lot more. I don't need to have a degree. You don't have to be a Martin. I don't have to be a Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nor do I. (laughs) And that's where the real unlocking power is. Mm. Um, It's simpler. It's a lot more accessible. We can reach more people. Um, And then that takes it to that level of that's where we're now solving social problems. That's where we're reaching the student in the rural areas. It must be exceptionally exciting for you, Martin, given the space that you're in and realizing that suddenly now there's a gateway that didn't exist before where far more people can walk through Mm. and have some of their own challenges solved. I like that idea of a gateway. I mean, we had that moment in uh, 1989 or so where before that, if you wanted to talk to a computer, so to speak, you had to use a, a, a prompt line, a command line. And an mm. interface. And right at that moment, we had the, the graphic user interface, you know, the point and click. Yeah. And, you know, first, first with Mac OS and then later with Windows 95, where you could move and pull something and drop it into the, into the wastebasket or whatever. You didn't have to be a, a, a coder, so yes. to speak. And it's that kind of a moment that we're in, that mm. it's a different way of interacting and it's pushing it. It's, it's pushing the, the darkness back, so to speak. It's, yeah. Ordinary people like us can just interact and, you know, any of us can say, please write me a program that does this or go and find me this thing in ordinary human language. It's almost as if uh, we have been taught, uh, the lot of us, how to search for something yes. on the Internet with all these strange terms and not this and put parentheses here. Um we're going back to just talking to it mm. in the way that you would. People have been joking. Now we'll become prompt architects. So oh, I love <laughs> that. <laughs> prompt architects. But I, I, you used a word for me that I, I, I struggle with, Ayanda, leapfrog. Because if you go back to all the policy documents, uh, we have been promising to leapfrog for how long now? <laughs> um, are you saying that this, this is the moment? that we've been talking about, it's the moment realize where we can really see, especially African markets in different sectors, um, see exponential progress that the otherwise would not have seen just because of what Gen AI can do. Definitely. I think Gen AI is, is leveling the playing field. We are at that tipping point, I believe, where, where the playing field is now level. Mm. Uh, as we democratize, uh, you know, Gen AI, we can all ask the same question and get the same results, right? Um, so in terms of resources being available, uh, we are now democratizing access to, to, to compute power that was previously reserved, you know, for a select part, uh, of society. Now, anybody with a, a, a mobile phone, for example, um, you know, can be able, uh, you know, just like they can get into social media today, they can access Gen AI, 
to be able to create net new content that wasn't there before. And, and the wonderful thing is it's not only limiting them to create stuff based on what they know. It's based on what's out there, mm. right? Based on what's in the, in, 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 on the internet. So you're leveraging things you don't know to come to an, uh, a defined outcome that you, you prompt, uh, you know, the AI to. So this is why I think there is now the race. Uh, you know, across the spectrum of industries to say, how do we deploy this in a way that ensures that we don't get left behind? Mm. We don't leave our customers behind. Because when you look at the adoption of this, the adoption has been immense. You speak about deployment, and I think you've used twice now um, the reference to consumers and organizations. And I'm, I, I almost feel what's missing from the conversation, and we're going to get to it, is the use in the public space and how that, you know, how that has the ability to change at mass the experience um, of people within societies. But we'll get there. One of the things I want to touch on quickly, Lexi, before I get there, is just the global interest that we're seeing in Gen AI and the report talks a little bit about um, if you follow the money and you look at uh, the investment trends, you see that generative uh, AI startups have attracted uh, soaring levels of investments. I think the number is about $20 billion uh, that's referenced. And the, the significance of that is that it's five times more than the total investment secured in the previous three years all put together. So from a global level, what would you say are really the core drivers that are producing these kind of investment trends? Yeah. So this is always one of those tricky chicken and egg things, right? Yeah. So I under touched on it a little bit. The massive levels of adoption that we've seen, that's part of the reason. Yeah. Right. Um, Chat GPT got 1 million users in five days. Uh, now it's up to over 150 million users. It's been less than a year. And then if you go to the business side, there are different, um, things like consumer experiences now enhanced with improved personalization. There's potential for, uh, increased revenue opportunities. There's potential for cost efficiencies when you think of how AI more broadly can now automate functions and make businesses do their jobs better. So mm. things like that are driving the excitement and, and this interest. I love that. So adoption and the business case in the corporate sector locally. Are the drivers the same, Ayanda, uh, when we look at the South African context in, sp in particular? I think we, we, we definitely see similarities, uh, in terms of what driving, uh, this. And I'll start with business and come, and come back to seeing the public service where, where, where we see it. In business specifically, it's now a source of competitiveness. It's all about, you know, survival at this point in time, uh, you know, for businesses, uh, being able to connect with their customers at the point of their need and, and, and taking personalization of services to what is now called hyper personalization, mm -hmm. uh, to ensure that, uh, you know, you, you don't get left behind by, by competitors. That is why we now having conversations about AI at board level. Yes. Um, but in the public service, we, we starting to see a lot of appetite around how can AI make a scale considering 
the restrained fiscus, right? Mm. Uh, considering restrained, uh, you know, resources. I'll make an example um, in, 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 in public healthcare in South Africa, for example. We see this all the time. We don't have enough uh, clinicians uh, mm. to be able to deal with, with patients. Um, and, and, and what we've done, for example, there's a, there's a company, local company we worked with leveraging AI and cloud services to be able to scale. So, 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 so the doctor who, who, who runs the company says, uh, you know, he's quoted in, in one of videos saying, I cannot train doctors enough, but I can make better use of their time. Right? Yes. In order to scale them. So yes, we're not going to solve the so the shortage of doctors immediately. Yeah. But how do we then scale the use of existing resources, leveraging AI? So we've gone into this, the, into the spaces that I think the report also references. And I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this because the report tells us that AI is not a silver bullet, right? So we accept that, but it can make a transformational impact and change in certain sectors. Health where we've started now is certainly one of them, education, financial inclusion, and agriculture. So let's stay in the healthcare space. Martin, let me get your comments here. Ayanda speaks about the power of being able to scale the time that doctors have and being able to increase the impact um, of, of, of um, the time that doctors get to spend with their patients. Mm. What else are you seeing in the healthcare sector that you're going, sure, this is going to be absolutely transformative? Well, there are lots of AI applications that are not necessarily generative AI applications. Yes. So things, things like artificial limbs. So there's lots of work within the machine learning and the AI space. Um, th that's on the one side. But, you know, uh, Ayanna was saying that uh, the texts created in the medical space have long been handwritten. What he didn't say was that they have long been badly handwritten. <laughs> that's um, true. <laughs> so we have the potential here for, for instance, somebody uh, going for a consult with a doctor and the conversation, the advice, everything is transcribed automatically and translated into their home language. Sure. We have those kind of tools. So when we're talking about the potential for democratization, those are the applications that get us excited. And what we should be doing is looking at innovative ways to actually drive healthcare, which I think so it's such an exciting new framing um, of the possibilities in healthcare. Martin, I want to talk education with you just a little bit, and, and I'll get uh, Lexi and Ayanda in on this as well. I think education is probably one of the things that we're most frustrated about when we look at the outcomes in South Africa. We know, we hear about all these reports where we're lagging behind in numeracy and literacy, and it just doesn't seem to get better year after year. Can AI make a distinctive difference in the educational space? Well, it's certainly not going to be a silver bullet. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to make the structural problems go away. And these structural problems, you know, this thing of, you know, 80% of 10 year olds functionally illiterate. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a tragedy, to be honest. What we have here is the idea of a 24 seven education resource. Mm. Um, a personal tutor for mm. students, um, a counselor for students and especially the, the generative AI in terms of text does quite well at, let's call it high school topics, those kind yeah. of things. Um, so those are the kind of tools that can have a breakthrough effect. Of course, there are lots of assumptions. There are assumptions around connectivity. There's yes. assumptions around data. There are assumptions around AI literacy, and I'm happy for us to explore those. 
But when you look at those assumptions, because I think they're so important. I mean, you talk about AI literacy, you talk about data. We know the cost of data. We know just connectivity, especially last mile connectivity is quite an issue in South Africa. Are you optimistic um, that given some of these constraints that we can overcome them and really unleash the power of AI in education? Well, we have to be optimistic. Yeah. yeah. Why else would we be here? Yeah, I think it's a massive problem and there's a danger in that because on the one hand, we see democratization. On the other side, we see the digital divide. Yes. And that this actually exacerbates it because you have the those with access and those without. I think a lot has been done and by some of my colleagues um, at, uh, at, at WITS on last mile connectivity. I think data costs over time are coming down. So, oh, there are lots of good signs yeah. by this. Mm. Let me bring your voice in here, Ayanda. I know that uh, education is probably one of those issues that where the private sector crowds in uh, quite a lot as well because it has implications for the skills that are available and so on and so forth. So the, the value chain impacts all of us. What are your sort of big thoughts when it comes to the potential for AI in education? I think... We saw during COVID, for example, uh, corporate South Africa partnering with government to improve access, uh, you know, to underserved areas. We need to lever on those learnings in order for us to be able to, to further democratize, uh, access to AI to underserved areas. So everything we've learned, um, in ensuring continuity of education, uh, during COVID, can help us now drive this forward. One of the big uh, barriers uh, during COVID of the continued learning in schools, uh, also at home, was connectivity. Yeah. And we saw corporate South Africa partnering government to zero rate certain uh, you know services. Yes. Now, how do we begin? to develop these Gen AI tools that will be zero rated, um, that people without necessarily having access to data for co- for commercial reasons or social reasons, but can be able to access it for the purposes of education. These, these are where the partnerships are going to come mm. in. The telcos, corporates South Africa coming together to say, these are the services that we want to sponsor. But what, it, what it's also going to require, and, 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 and now this is now talking more towards from, from a basic education perspective. How are we going to partner to to create new levels of capacity for teachers? Yes. Um, because it changes the game. Now, we're talking prompt engineering now, right? I tell my son, uh, you know, at home, it's okay to use ChatGPT for homework, but, but ask it why the answer is right. Ask it why the answer is wrong. And this is where the learning happens. So the way in which we learn, uh, the way in which we teach is is going to be Game changing. I love that. Prompt architects. I think that's, yes. uh, that's the term you <laughs> introduced. Prompt engineers. Yeah. Um, prompt prompt engineers, engineers as well. I absolutely love that. But you spoke about partnerships and I'm, we are going to get to collaboration and partnership because I think it's absolutely going to be critical and we need to be asking the question, you know, I'll be on the same page around who needs to do what and by when. I want to maybe talk about the final um, uh, sector that the report looks at, understanding, of course, that the uh, the impact might be broader, but the report specifically references agriculture as well. And maybe, Ayanda, let me kick off with you on this one. Anywhere you turn, we always hear that um, if you look at uh, African markets, we should be outperforming the world 
by miles when it comes to agricultural outputs. We've got the natural um, endowments to do so. We've got the land to do so. And yet it just doesn't seem to be a sector where we are outperforming. In this particular difficult and complex sector, is there a role that you see for GNAI? Definitely. You know, in agriculture, uh, you know, I come from an era where, you know, I got, I got exposure to rural areas growing up, right? I had a grandmother who, who was a subsistence farmer. Yeah. And they knew when to plant, when not to plant. Uh, you know, mm. they, they had this knowledge that they've built over the years. And what has since happened, climate change happened. Yes. Right. And, and now AI is allowing us uh, you know, farmers that are very experienced and know what they're doing to leverage data that ordinarily they wouldn't have. Gen AI is going to allow a typical farmer who necessarily doesn't have a lab where they test out stuff to have a lab on their phone, um, where they can describe what they see, uh, and get a worldview of what is happening within that, uh, you know, uh, particular, whether they, they're investigating crops. They can, they can literally take a picture of the crop and begin to get a, a diagnosis of of what's wrong with it, right? Mm. So we're going to be leveraging AI and Gen AI to be able to improve crop uh, yield yes, um, and be able to reduce risk in farming. So, so Alexa, I'm keen to hear your voice on this because um, my bias just goes towards what about the smallholder farmer, right? We know commercial farmers yeah. probably are going to have access. Are we thinking about smallholder farmers? Are we thinking about Ayanda's grandmother, who was a subsistence farmer and many like her today? Yeah, and there's a great example on that um, from a similar emerging market in Indonesia, Jiva, which is a platform that has an advisory engine. And they use climate data. They use remote sensing, all of these things to enable smallholder farmers to know when's the right time to plant, when do I need to add this specific fertilizer. And that's allowed the smallholder farmers that have been using this app. It's about 50,000 farmers, but they've recorded up to 40% increase in yield. Which for us in South Africa, yes, that would be great because look, yeah, we need to be able to mm. have more affordable food for people in this good up. And it's, I think it's really exciting that we have uh, best practice examples or at least examples in other similar markets. By the way, just before we joined on this call, Lexi was telling us about white strawberries uh, that she's discovered on the shelf. So it will be interesting whether there's a link between Gen AI and white strawberries. I'll be looking out for them, uh, Lexi, on the shelves. I mean, we could spend the whole day um, basically looking at all the different use cases across the different sectors. But I think suffice to say is that we are seeing real opportunities that with some assumptions addressed, as Martin has said, uh, could be absolutely game changers. But to use your language, Ayanda, really allow us to leapfrog. But let me be, um, let me just put in a little bit of a dampener uh, and ask a, a different kind of question. I want to bring this to you, Martin. The risk that comes with uh, Gen AI. Um, there's been a lot of questions, some anxiety, maybe some fears in, in other instances. What are the primary risks that we need to be paying attention to in the context of South Africa as we see the adoption of Gen AI increase? That's a great question. So if we, if we want to link back from these examples that we heard in agriculture, precision farming, remote sensing, um, demand forecasting, those kind of things, they would be, let's call them old school AI applications. Right. Still not fully explored, 
But in a way, if you have a demand forecast, it can go wrong, but it can go wrong in sort of predictable ways, mm. if I could put mm. it like that. If we add this generative layer, there are all sorts of other things that can go wrong as well. So we have the present, let's call them the present harms. We have biases that are built right. into the data. And those could be biases that are uh, pertaining to the global north. There's racism, there's sexism, there's all sorts of awful things built into training data. Mm. So there's IP theft uh, or, or at least accusations of IP theft right. going on uh, in terms of training data. There's massive environmental costs to the training of these models. And there are, there are human costs as well, you know, human beta testers that have to look at awful texts and see awful things. So we have present harms um, that are ongoing. And then we have these sort of just around the corner, if you like, dangers as well. Mm. Things like dependence and, of course, the big one, job losses. Sure. So I'm literally scribbling as you're speaking because I think, um, as you speak about this and the, and the distinction between, you know, present harms, but also just around the corner and whether we have the capability to fully understand and prepare ourselves for some of those just around the corner. You, you, you've touched on something that I think is a big, um, anxiety. And that is, of course, jobs. I want to bring that back here in the context of South Africa with our high levels of unemployment. Can we balance the benefits of AI against the needs for job-rich growth in this country, Martin? What's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a clear answer. Look, we need to energize and the economy, we need to stimulate the economy. So there's no beating around the bush. Some, mm. some jobs will be modified and some jobs will be replaced. I mean, we, you know, we have electronic booms. We don't have people necessarily operating booms. So we always say in the, in the tech game that when jobs are dirty, dangerous or dull, we want them to be automated away, so mm. to speak. But they're also meaningful jobs. They're also, enriching jobs that uh, that could be automated away and that's that is a danger so what we hope is that there's this sort of displacement that you like towards better quality jobs right. more uh, rewarding jobs more enriching jobs so that if you stimulate an economy by creating lots of potential by supporting education by supporting food security by improving health that that uh, pushes us into like a virtuous cycle where mm. that also means that we are more productive. That also means that we are, uh, have more people sucked mm. into, if I could say yeah. it like that, into the labor market. Let me double check something and just stress some, stress test something that you've just said. As you talk about the possibility of doing away with dirty, um, dull and dangerous jobs for better quality and more meaningful jobs, I under, are you confident that we're doing enough in terms of becoming AI literate and upskilling fast enough so that as those transitions come about, we have a workforce that is capable, that is ready to step into those emergent jobs? I think we still have a long way to go from a scaling up perspective. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I say this because, uh, you know, w when you look at what comes out of uh, you know, the universities today, right? Uh, it, they're trying to prepare a workforce, uh, of the future, 
But the, the level of change in technology is such that it's difficult to keep up. Mm. Um, so we now need to build a culture uh, of people that are, that are, that are inv- continuously invest in themselves. Right. Uh, you know, continue to disrupt yourself um, in order for you to stay relevant, to stay with the right kind of skills mm. that will propel you forward. But also, uh, you know, we, we, we see organizations have, have to be super intentional about taking the entire workforce with them in terms of uh, developing the skills. But in, but, but in order for people to see themselves in the future, you need to develop trust. Right. Um, and this is where I believe, uh, you know, the whole issue of responsible AI comes in, that uh, in the organizations, you need to be able to build trust with your people. People need to uh, have a sense of comfort that AI is not being humanized. We need to dehumanize AI and position AI as a tool that will help augment who we are as humans mm. and help us scale. That way we will build trust. So we need to act in a, with transparency. Right. We need to build trust. Trust is end, right? Mm. It will always say. So we need to act with trust and bring in the principles of fairness, the mm. principles of, of security. But definitely the opportunity is there. But as leaders... We have to act responsibly in mm. order to be able to get there. Lexa, when you think about the risks of AI, are you uh, as confident as Ayanda that where there's trust, where there's transparency, where there's fairness, uh, where there's a consciousness about the importance of security, that this will be enough to mitigate some of the primary risks? Yes, I am, because we see or at least we should be seeing AI as more of an and yeah. rather than an or. Right. And I think once we ra- like wrap our heads around that, you'll see it as something that will enhance your capabilities, increase your creativity. There was uh, a recent study as well that showed that uh, the people performed best together with AI. Mm. AI on its own, not great. Humans on their own, but the combination of AI and humans together is what will drive us forward, drive innovation. I love that AI plus. And yes, it AI is plus. it is with the human touch, Martin. I'm, I'm seeing that with my students, right? right? So if you tell students you're not allowed to use any AI in, say, the writing of an essay, that's mad because it's just encouraging them to find a way yes, to cheat. Yeah. Humans will be humans and students especially so. Um, if you say... I want you to do the thinking. I want you to do the research. Write your essay or whatever it is, a thesis. And once you're done, take that to the large language model and ask it to criticize it. Ask right. it to improve the language. So the thinking is not outsourced. There's not a dependency trap or anything like that. Mm. I love the phrase that you use, don't outsource the thinking. And I, I literally wrote on my notes now, and don't outsource the humanity. Yes. Yeah. Should we make a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Don't outsource the humanity. I love that. Yeah. I'm about to get to towards the end of our conversation. Before I go there, maybe just firstly a quick one back to you, Ayanda, on the power of collaboration. Um, the report um, speaks to us about the importance of collaboration between the public sector and the private sector. In your view, how do and how should stakeholders be approaching the collaborative space when it comes to AI, especially if there's a common goal around how do we harness this for the benefit of ordinary South Africans? Yeah. 
we starting to see it. We we are being engaged by uh, the information regulator, for example, right? And there, it's knowledge sharing exercises. And I believe through sharing of knowledge, through sharing of what as corporate South Africa we see as the opportunities, what we see as areas perhaps that we all need to double down and look at, uh, what we see as areas where we need to act responsibly, I think we will find each other and find our way to a responsible approach to AI. And not necessarily a responsible approach is not necessarily the most governed way that limits creativity, but it's where we all agree on the end goal, right? In Mm. terms of what problems do we want to solve? But I do believe uh, the scope for partnership is there. Uh, And I believe we can only win in terms of driving AI that matters to some of our societal challenges through partnerships. Government is not going to do it alone. Private sector is not going to win alone. Mm. And we, the only way to win is when we work together. So I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to try to do it in an interesting way. And I'm going to ask you to think about one action that you think, if taken today, really gives us the greatest opportunity to deliver on the promise of AI. But here's the kicker. The one action, I want you to think about it as a statement on a billboard. So it's not in a Dr. Martin, it's not an executive summary or thesis of a paper. <laughs> Lexi, it's not a, a no, consultant report. Ayanda, it's straight to the point. It's not this uh, annual report by your corporates. Ayanda, I'm going to ask you to think about it from the perspective of business. Martin, what do you think from the perspective of government? And Lexi, what do you think us as individuals, what can we do? So let's go to business first. What's the one thing that you think business should do today to deliver on the promise of AI? Customer centricity is what is going to create value for businesses. And Gen AI specifically. Billboard, billboard, billboard. billboard. <laughs> Gen AI yeah. as an enabler to drive customer centricity. Okay. Gen AI as an enabler driving customer centricity. We small absolutely leave that. Mm. Just small billboard. We're going to squash it in. So let's go to government. Martin, what do you think uh, the one action government should be taking today? I think we should say we the people want mm-hmm. regulations and guidelines to harness the benefits and prevent the harms and those benefits should be uh, see it's becoming a political <laughs> manifesto <laughs> you want this directed at government we're going to talk their language and, and we want to see ethical principles yes. and transparency I love that we the people I absolutely yeah. love that we, we were people. going down to 10 point font there <laughs> <laughs> Lexi you get to take us home me you the ordinary uh, South African listening in to this conversation wanting to be a part of bringing about this great uh, transformation into whatever space we may be. What's the first thing we can do? AI is here today. So use it, know what it can do and what it cannot do. I absolutely love that. AI is here today. Use it, know what it can do and cannot do. There are fist bumps uh, running around (laughs) here in studio, but I think it's a, and it's an excellent place to close off the conversation. It's been absolutely uh, insightful. Of course, it is a backstage pass brought to you by BCG and Vits Business School. My name is Nozipo Shabalala. Thank you so much for having us. Until next time.